Well, today we're beginning a new message series, which I've called Exodus, God's Plan, and it's based on what book in the Bible? Well, it's based on Exodus. And we're going to learn about God's plan for the past, for the present, and the future. Now, not only did God have a plan for his people back in the Old Testament, but he has a plan for each of our lives today. Whether you're 15 or 80, God has a plan for the rest of your life. Whether you've been following God for years or you haven't been following God for years, God's got a plan for your future. Now, we can't undo the past, but God has a future for each one of us, both in this life and for eternity. Jeremiah 29, 11, and I'd encourage you to take out the white page. Yes, here it is in your bulletin. It's got the verses and the outline written out. You can take some notes there. In fact, it's very easy this Sunday. It's only three fill-in-the-blanks. So uh, this is a, a treat, right? So Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And so God says, I have plans for you. Now, of course, this was written to the children of Israel, but it's written to every believer as well. And God's plans for his children do not automatically happen. You know, quite frankly, God is not the only one who has plans for your life. You might not have thought about this before, but the devil also has plans for your life. And they're the exact opposite of God's plans for your life. God has plans for good. The devil has plans for your life, plans for evil, plans to destroy you. And so it's up to us to choose which plan are we going to follow. And God wants us, of course, to follow his plan for our lives. I'd like us to watch a short video called Made for Something Great. God has a plan for your life because he made you for something great. He made you to impact eternity with your life. So let's watch Made for Something Great. So we were made for something great. And greatness in God's eyes comes from overcoming adversity with God's strength. Let me say that again. Greatness in God's eyes comes through overcoming adversity with God's strength. And so if you're going through a tough time in life, and we all do from time to time, don't count yourself out because God has a plan. So our message this morning I've entitled How God Answered Prayer, How God Answers Prayer, or Shorter, God Hears. And we're going to be talking about what happened in the book of Exodus. But hundreds of years before Exodus, the time of Exodus, before our story begins there, God spoke to Abram and told him what would happen to his descendants. It was a prophetic word. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 13 and 14, the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. <clears throat> so in Genesis, we learn that Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt, but he rose to a high position in the government. The family of Joseph then moved to Egypt, and over the course of 320 years, they multiplied greatly and became very strong. God used the protection and safety of this world power of Egypt to allow Israel to become a great nation. 
And we learn at the beginning of Exodus that the Egyptians had begun treating the Israelites harshly as slaves. And the Israelites began to call out on God to save them from their distress. And God heard their prayers. And he began to prepare a man to be their deliverer. And so in this series, we're going to learn how God took a man who was almost killed as an infant, a man who had a poor self-image, a man who couldn't speak well, and delivered a nation. Not through the strength of a man, but through the power of God. And the man that we're going to be talking about, the man who God chose to bring about an answer to the Israelites' prayer was Moses. And so as we go through the message this morning, remember that just as God had a plan for Moses, so God has a plan for each of our lives. And we must trust God's preparation. Now in our story in the book of Exodus, the Egyptian pharaoh or the leader of Egypt had just published an edict that all Israelite boys must be thrown into the Nile River and drowned. Now why did he do that? Because The Israelites were becoming so numerous, so strong, he was beginning to feel threatened by them. Moses' parents defied the edict, and they hid Moses rather than throwing him into the river, and they chose to obey God rather than man, rather than the government. Exodus 2, uh, sorry, Exodus 2, verse 3, when she, that's Moses' mother, could hide him no longer, she took him for him a basket made of bulrushes and dubbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it, placed it among the reeds by the river bank. That took faith. To put your baby in a basket in a river, swarming with who knows what, crocodiles, snakes, whatever else, or a, a wave that could overtip it. But God was in the plan. Moses was found in the river by the daughter of Pharaoh. And she had Moses cared for by his mother until he was weaned. And then he was taken by the Egyptian Pharaoh's daughter as her son. And so Moses grew up, not with his own parents, but as a member of the royal Egyptian court. And yet somehow, we don't even totally understand how, because of his mother and father's early teaching and their prayer, he identified not as an Egyptian, but as a Hebrew. And when Moses was 40 years old, we learn of his first action in life, the rescue of a fellow Hebrew from an Egyptian. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And so Moses defended and rescued a fellow Israelite. He thought perhaps the Israelites would recognize that he was their deliverer and begin to follow him, but they did not. What happened became known in Egypt, and so Moses had to flee. He fled to the desert of Midian, and his first stop was at a well. He was thirsty. He stopped at a well in the desert. Verse 16, now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. This was all part of God's plan. Moses saw these uh, these seven daughters, and he helped the women defend themselves against some shepherds who were not allowing them to draw water. And he was taken to meet these women's father. 
And he eventually married one of the daughters. Her name was Zipporah. Meanwhile, back in Egypt, things were not going well for the Israelites. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, verse 23. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And so God heard the cries of his people. He was preparing a way for them to be rescued. And God chose to use an imperfect human being named Moses to be their deliverer. Now, let's think a bit about how God was preparing Moses through tough times. Moses was not raised by his parents. He was raised by pagan Egyptians in the royal court. He spent the first 40 years of his life living as an Egyptian, yet somehow he kept his belief in the God of the Hebrews. At age 40, Moses defended a Hebrew slave from a slave master who was forced to flee to the desert of Midian. And as we'll see, God was calling Moses to deliver the Israelites, but God's timing was 40 years in the future. The next 40 years of Moses' life after he fled from Egypt was spent in the Midianite desert herding the flocks of his father-in-law. And yet in those 80 years, God was preparing Moses to be the answer to the, Egypt, uh, to the Israelites' prayers. God was preparing Moses to be the deliverer of Israel from slavery. Now, it might appear that the events that happened in Moses' life were, were random, but God was behind each and every incident. In the same way, God is preparing you and I for his plan for the rest of our lives. God is preparing you to help rescue people from bondage to sin. God is preparing each one of us to be used to answer the prayers of people. People who are calling out to God for deliverance from the cruel taskmasters of sin. We must trust God's preparation. He, he makes no mistakes. And we must trust God's timing. So Moses had been in this royal palace of Egypt for 40 years with every luxury available at his wish. And now he was almost 80 years old. He just spent the past 40 years working for his father-in-law, herding flocks, tending the flocks. He must have thought his life would amount to nothing. He must have thought his visions at age 40 of delivering all of the Israelites from Egyptian slavery would never come to pass. But then something unusual happened. Chapter 3, verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And so suddenly, after 40 years in the desert, with nothing happening except leading sheep and goats and whatever around, protecting them from predators, God broke through. And there was this bush that was burning, but it was not consumed. It was a supernatural occurrence and Moses moved closer to see what was going on and God spoke to him from the bush verse 6 and he said I am the God of your father the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God and so Moses father was Amran his mother was Jochebed they'd hidden him in a basket in faith and God was honoring their faith 
Somehow their faith had been passed down to their son, and he was now, this God was now appearing before Moses. The time had come for God's plan to be put into motion. The preparation of Moses had been completed. And even though Moses might have thought life had passed him by, there was still the best to come. God now was beginning to make clear his calling on Moses' life. Verse 9, God says, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now I would assume that Moses probably had no communication with the Israelites back in Egypt when he was in the desert of Midian. I mean, there were no cell phones, there was no internet, uh, he really didn't want the Egyptians to know where he was. But God had heard the prayers of the oppressed Israelites in Egypt, and God was calling Moses to go to the Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, and bring Israel out of that land. Moses needed to trust God's timing. Now, in the same way, we also need to trust God's timing in our own lives, in his plans for our lives. When Moses defended that Israelite back in Egypt, he was 40 years early on God's timing. But sometimes God shows his plans to us. And we want to make them happen today, tomorrow, as soon as possible. And when it doesn't happen, we get discouraged. And yet, more often than not, God needs to prepare us for each step in his plan. And as we trust God's timing, he will open the right doors at the right time. God was calling Moses to be the answer to the Israelites' prayers in Egypt. And God often calls us as believers today to be the answer to other believers' prayers, the prayers of others. God's plans for your life are not just about you and God. They're about you, God, and other people. God was calling Moses to lead an entire nation out of Egypt, the reigning world power, and yet for the past 40 years he had simply been herding flocks for his father-in-law. But Moses had been faithful for those 40 years. He had learned humility. He had learned to hear from God. And as we are faithful in God's everyday tasks of life that he has for us, God is preparing us to make a difference for eternity in other people's lives. And we must learn not to move ahead of God or lag behind, but trust God's timing. Finally, we need to trust God's plan. God then gives Moses the details of his plan for Moses to deliver Israel. And I'd encourage you to read Exodus chapters 2, 3, and 4 this week. Uh, we're just looking at some highlight verses. We don't have time to read all three chapters and that way you'll get the complete picture. The first step in God's plan for Moses was for him to talk to the leaders of Israel back in Egypt. He was to tell them what God had instructed him to say. And God promised Moses that the Israelites would listen to what he had to say. And together they would go to Pharaoh and ask to be able to leave the land of Egypt. And yet Moses didn't really trust God's plan. He wasn't sure it was going to work. Moses answered God. He said, but behold, 
They will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. And so Moses counters God's promise that the people would listen with the exact opposite. He says, God, no, you're wrong. They're not going to listen. Moses had fled Egypt as a fugitive. He was probably not exactly ready to return. He didn't know what to expect. And so God gave Moses three supernatural signs to show to the Israelites that God was with him. The three signs were, first of all, uh, he told Moses to take his staff, throw it down on the ground, and it turned into a serpent. Moses ran from the serpent. God said, no, just pick it up by the tail. So he picked it up by the tail and became a staff again. The second supernatural sign he gave, God told Moses, stick your hand inside your cloak. He stuck his hand inside his cloak. He took it out again. It was leprous. It was diseased. God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. Put it back in. Pulled it out. The second time it was healthy, normal again. He said, use those signs to show that God was with him, with the Israelites. He finally said, if you pour water from the Nile River, it will turn to blood. But Moses was not convinced to trust God's plan. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. He didn't seem to have too much trouble talking to God, did he? Giving excuses. So Moses continues to try to get out of God's plan. He believes he's not up to speaking to the Israelites or to the Pharaoh. Now, whether Moses just had a poor self-image or he was afraid, it isn't clear. What is clear is that Moses didn't yet trust God's plan. And so when Moses told God, I'm not able to speak, God says, who made your mouth? What was the answer? Well, it was God. And God promised to teach him what to speak. God said, I will tell you what to speak. I will help you to speak. But Moses wasn't done yet in giving excuses. He said in verse 13, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. And so Moses still was not ready to trust God's plan. And so after God speaking to him in a burning bush, God showing him supernatural miracles, promising to be with him, promising to help him speak, Moses wants out. And God becomes angry finally. And he says, okay, Aaron, your brother can speak for you. And so finally, Moses gives in and trusts God's plan. Now, have we ever made some of the same excuses that Moses made? When God calls us to do something for him. First excuse. God tells us to do something and we say, God, it's not going to work. You're wrong. It just can't possibly work. I'm not going to do it because it's not going to work. Not too wise saying you know more than God, but sometimes we do it. Second excuse. God, you're calling me to do something, but I don't have what it takes to do this. I've never done it before. I don't know how to do it. Why are you asking me to do something like this? Sometimes we may have the excuse, God, I simply don't want to do it. Just send somebody else to do it. And the bottom line for Moses and the bottom line for us is that God has made us. He has created us. He's prepared us to do everything that he calls us to do. Not in our own strength, but 
with his supernatural power. And God has everything under control. He knows the past from the future. And when we follow his directions, his plans will always work out. And we must trust God's plan. You know, oftentimes we think of the Bible heroes when we say Moses. We think of them as superheroes, right? Splitting the Red Sea. That's what we think of. Doing things we could never attain to. And yet, as we study Moses' life, we learn that he was far from perfect. He got confused about God's timing to be Israel's deliverer. He had all kinds of excuses why he couldn't do what God was calling him to do. And yet, this reluctant Moses finally chose to believe God. And through God's power mixed with Moses' faith, which is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, he did have faith. He finally chose to believe God. He finally chose to obey God. And as he did, the world was changed forever. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, what is God calling you to do with the rest of your life? Moses was 80 years old when God called him. Now He lived maybe a little longer than we do. He lived 120. Two-thirds of his life was over, and yet in the last third of his life, he accomplished great things for God. God has a plan for the rest of your life. No matter how long... And none of us knows how long the rest of our lives is going to be. We need to trust God's preparation. We need to trust God's timing. Trust that God has all the details of his plan for your life worked out. God has all the power that you need to carry out his plan for your life. God's plan for your life will impact eternity. It will be of eternal significance. God's plan for your life will be the answer to other people's prayers. And so let's trust God and move forward in faith with his plans. Now, if you want to follow God's plan for your life, here's the first step, if you've never taken it before, that the Bible says you must do. First of all, to become a believer, to become a follower of Jesus Christ. To have the opportunity to follow God's plan for your life, you need to do three things. First of all, admit that you've sinned. And sin basically is not following God's plan for your life. That's what sin is all about. It's doing what you want to do, following your own plan for your life, not God's plan. Simply admit it. Secondly, believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sin. He rose from the dead three days later, and we commit our lives to following his plan, to following him as our Lord and Savior. So I'd like to ask all of us right now to bow our heads And if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or perhaps recommit your life to him, perhaps you've done something in the past, you've made a commitment to him, but yet you feel like your life is off track. You've been following your plan and not his. I'd encourage you to recommit your life to him this morning. I'm going to pray a simple prayer and I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Something like this. Father, today... I admit that I've sinned. I've been following my plan for my life rather than yours. And I ask you to forgive me. I put my trust in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven and rose from the dead three days later. And I commit my life to following him, the risen Lord, as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life, to following his plan for my life so that I might make 
a difference for eternity with my life. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, today, I thank you for the stories in the Bible, including the story of Moses, that show how you carried out your plans with imperfect people like Moses. May we learn to trust you for your plans for our lives. Forgive us for sometimes thinking that you have no plan or we can't possibly follow your plan for us. It's too difficult. May we trust that you've thoroughly prepared us for the future that you've planned for us. You've made no mistakes. And when you call us, when you give us direction, we are ready to follow that. We have no excuses. Help us to trust your timing for your plan. Help us not to run ahead and try to accomplish things before you open the doors and help us not to lag behind and procrastinate. Give us the faith to believe your promises. Give us the faith to trust your power will bring your plan to pass. And we believe, God, that you created each of us to do great things. Maybe not recognized in this life, but great things that will have eternal significance. We thank you for the opportunity to cooperate with you in your Great plan for each of us and your great plan for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.